So Money episode 1499, Carly Cylinder, founder of the floral design studio Flower LA. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. You do want to make money, but you also want to value that against if it's bringing you joy, if you like it, what you want out of it. Welcome to So Money, everybody. I'm Farnoosh Tarabi. We are one episode away from the 1500th episode of this podcast. And our guest today has been with us from the beginning. This is a full circle moment. Our guest, Carly Cylinder, is the founder of the floral design studio Flower LA, and also a longtime listener who says the show helped her eliminate debt and get her finances in order. Carly is here with advice on how to bootstrap your way to running a thriving small business. Her company started out as a delivery service based out of her tiny apartment and later grew into a bi-coastal full service studio. Discover how she used clever marketing and free PR to create and leverage opportunities. I also want to mention her book, The Flower Chef, a modern guide to do-it-yourself floral arrangements. If you've ever stared at those beautiful but random flowers at Trader Joe's, wondering how to ever make something cool with those stems, her Her book is for you and me. Here's Carly Cylinder. Carly Cylinder, welcome to So Money. A So Money listener, now a So Money guest. We have been DMing for like on and off for like uh, (laughs) eight years or something like that. It's great to have you. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I am very excited to be here. And yes, when we both saw that we had DM from that long ago and then I was like, well, I remember you were pregnant with your daughter, all of this stuff. And we were talking about when you would have these guest hosts come on. And that's when I was interested because the show really was my financial turning point into, you know, how I could sort of build up from being in debt. So Carly, I thought it'd be fun to have you on, not just because you're a fan and the show has helped you and we can talk a little bit about your financial journey, but your business is a flower business. And I wanted to have you share a little bit about the behind the scenes and how you've built this. It kind of started in your 20s during a quarter life crisis, I understand, where you were like hustling up the wazoo, but this was something that you were good at, was arranging flowers. But then fast forward to today, it's so much more, you know, where you're doing events and you have even a course program helping other entrepreneurs learn how to start a business. So maybe we can start there because I think there's a lot of takeaways that um, I, I think are very valuable, which is the first one, which is just that flowers aren't your passion. And yet you have built a super successful business around this craft. You love the business more. And I think that's something really important. Can you Can you dive into that for us a little bit? Yeah. In my early 20s, I had dated some entrepreneurs. So that kind of, I saw their lifestyle and I was like, oh, I want that. I'm not a nine to five person. I like the freedom. I liked thinking in different ways. And so that's kind of where my head was at. And I took a couple years off school, just sort of floundering, you know, working in retail. Uh, I eventually 
went back to school. So I graduated in 2008, pretty much the recession hit. I had taken a job, the Oregon and Tissue Donor Agency, of all things, was at the career fair. The which, the what? The what? Oregon and Tissue Donor Agency. Oregon, Oregon and Tissue Donors. Okay. Yeah. So I had worked at some flower shops just from probably seeing it on Craigslist, you know, when I was going to school and I loved it. I worked in one that was a flower shop restaurant. And to me, that was just like the best to be surrounded by all that. So that was my goal was to open sort of a brick and mortar. Uh, when the recession hit, though, obviously, I was not going to open anything. And my roommate at the time, she was just like, well, let's just start now. And somehow I listened and I hustled. I was a one woman show for probably four years, honestly. I always say if I couldn't design, if I didn't have an innate ability to design, I would not have a business. You know, you have to, I was just naturally talented. It came easy to do that. And I think also when you're doing flowers, you don't have to be a perfectionist. You can kind of just like throw stems in, make it look good. The faster you work, the better. I would time myself because eventually I was like, I have to, eventually I did want to hire people or freelancers. So I wanted to see how long things took. And one of actually one of of my exes, he had like a sandwich shop, but he did tell me something very important, which is you need to know how to do every single aspect because if someone calls in sick or just to understand it. And so that stuck with me. So I sort Mm -hmm. of learned the business side and really observing, asking questions at the flower shops I worked at. And then during my other job, I scoured the SBA website. I read books and I was really fascinated with especially women entrepreneurs, of course. So I was like reading yeah. magazine, entrepreneur magazine, the four hour work week, which really sort of changed my ways of thinking a little bit more clever, sneakily, or I don't know, however you want to yeah. describe out of the box. Out of the box. Your 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 father didn't ever imagine this who you would become. You know, you were saying earlier, like Yeah, even he was he was confused. Like I don't remember you being like this. I don't really remember essentially like a savviness towards business. Yeah. I was always a pretty creative person, can never sit still still can't. But it was almost like when you like creativity, you do one thing and it kind of opens your mind and then you get inspired for something else. I found that true with business also like, mm-hmm. oh, I can just do a partnership with these people. Or what if I do this or beauty or like literally anything, any product or service I could sort of tie flowers into and be like, OK, yeah. Valentine's, we're going to do this, whether it's cross promotion or not. And whether it pays off or not, it's just kind of getting your name out there, learning, seeing what pays off, what doesn't. But it was definitely a struggle those like first few years. And I did have a girl that was helping me and she's like, well, if this isn't your passion and you're struggling and you're broke, (laughs) essentially, like, why are you doing this? And it was a good question. And I I just was like, well, what else am I going to do? You know, I Mm -hmm. kind of was just one foot in front of the other. I had freelanced. The only time I've ever worked as a designer for someone else was David Stark in New York. He does 
um, high end events. Like we would do just like these enormous weddings and, and bar bat mitzvahs, but also like the Met Opera, like the launch. Is it just kind of like a lot of like failing forward, you know, trying a lot of things? It's messy. It sounds like a very messy behind the scenes. I think something that helped me a lot, especially as we've had like these economic ups and downs, is nearly every year I've been in business now about 13 years. Every year I've changed the business model. So I started out doing daily orders, making probably $10 a day if I had that, like getting all the flowers, schlepping it, delivering it. Then I got into weddings because that was the easiest. Then flower crowns started to become a thing, which I was at the time, I was like, this will only be popular for a year. Now it's probably been 10. So I started doing these activities for PR firms, then classes. Then I started doing floral design classes. I would take people um, through the flower mart in downtown LA. Okay, well, it would have taken me almost 150 arrangements selling to do one class or even a small event. Mm. So like, okay, well, that makes sense. So I've switched it every year. Now we only do sort of large scale events and installations. And that was always a goal. Like I remember like, if I could just get two events a month, I would be okay financially. That is really smart. And I think even for people who work outside of entrepreneurship, who work in a more corporate setting, for me, that was me in my 20s. I didn't didn't start a business until later in life, like my late 20s. But I remember being conscious about how I, maybe it wasn't my business model that I was changing every so often, but what I was doing was changing or learning or the, so I work in media and I was really, I, I was really insistent on working in different mediums throughout my twenties. I didn't want to just stay in a lane. I didn't just want to work for newspapers or magazines. I wanted to also learn radio and broadcast. I also wanted to learn television. I also wanted to, you know, explore books. And as I'm hearing you, this is what I'm learning is that in order to acclimate fast, because what are you doing in those years, right? You're not just building your repertoire and getting more experience and network, but you're also learning what you're not good at. You're learning about, you're learning from failure. You're learning what to abandon quickly. And and I think that's so smart. Was this conscious for you? And if it was, what was the ongoing question in your mind or that nagging feeling that you had that led you to changing the business model every year? Uh, Yeah, it was very conscious. It was all money because again, I was... So broke, honestly, until maybe like eight years ago. So seven years of like sort of struggling after three or four, I could hire freelancers, which I still have. You know what I mean? So it was just out of necessity and seeing the trends. I I did live in New York for a year. And because um, my brother lives there, he's in Brooklyn. I was just sick of LA. And that's when I started freelancing uh, for David Stark. But I had two bi-coastal clients. They're PR firms. And in New York, I just called to say, hi, I'm here. Like, I didn't really have friends. Do you want to grab a drink? And they said, are you doing work here? I'm like, uh, yeah, what do you have? You know, like, sure. So me, sure, just yeah, sure. <laughs> make it when you make it. I yep. went around the, the flower mart, like with this backpack, I looked 12 because I always looked a little bit younger. I was like, where can I rent space? Sort of figured it out. But I got to do... Um, events for editors. Now this was before Facebook was around really before Instagram. So now all of my events are geared towards influencers, right? Like these launches and flower walls and stuff. But when I got to do sort of these classes or little previews of products for 
the um, the editors in New York, which we don't have in LA, that was also a big change. So it was the opportunity yeah. that led me to be able to change it. And then it's always so hard to get your foot in the door and that, you know, especially with corporate work or, you know, it's very different when you're doing corporate work. It's not their money. It's, you're not dealing really with an individual person's money. It's sort of the company's money allocated. And so those sort of circumstances. So it was both, um, that led me to doing the work I like. And luckily when Instagram all that came about, I had already had sort of a portfolio of stuff and it's like, Oh, you right. worked in New York. Trust me, if you're anywhere in that you say you work in LA or New, or in New York, it's like, Whoa. So it was out of necessity, but also to your point of sort of diversifying what you know in the same field. Usually that's not the advice we're given. At least it wasn't 10 or 15 years ago. It was very much stay in your lane, be good at what you are, be an expert in that. And then you can move up to here. And within that, then you could, you know, maybe be the editor, blah, blah, blah. So that was the same for me. And what I was doing is a lot different. It's still a lot different than other florists or floral studios in that I offer so many services. I sort of just like put it out there, see what sticks. And I enjoy it because it gives, you know, it gives my days some diversity. I'm not good at really doing one thing, but also when we're going into another recession or this or that, I started doing zoom classes. That was just from inquiries, you know, and it was like, Oh my God, we're doing zoom. So I, I know a lot about SEO, that's search engine optimization. And so I redid my whole website, the back end. I made PDFs. So if I got an inquiry, I could say like, oh, well, here's the information. And I always try to either upsell or spread the word. So I'd say, if you wouldn't mind, could you spread it to your team or other people you hear of? And people are like, sure. They don't think of it. Yeah, of course. So it's definitely intentional, like you said, for your experience. That is what has saved me through the years. Now, when I first started, I didn't want to do weddings. It's not because I don't like brides. It's just very monotonous. It's the same. <laughs> I always had nice brides. I did for the first few years do weddings. I always had lovely people. But it's stressful because a wedding has to go. You have a window and it's got to be perfect. And people are spending a lot of money. And so the stakes are high. The stakes are high and the lead time is extremely high, which I, it does not work for my personality. So I also figure it out what works for my personality, which is not that even if I have the loveliest person talking to them or even knowing, okay, for the next year, oh my God, I have to do this. Whereas now most of my events are like, can be anywhere from like two weeks to a month or two out. It's not a big lead time at all. One thing I wanted to ask you was at one point and probably still you had a celebrity clientele and and I'm sure that was something that grew over the years. It you know it takes time to build up that network, but a lot of business owners would die for celebrity clients, celebrity endorsements. It can really take you to the next level. Advice for how to connect? I mean, you were in LA, so maybe you had the yeah. geographical proximity, but still. I have some advice, especially for those in LA. Also, I will just side do a side note. LA and Southern California in general is the easiest place to start a floral business because we have space. We have the cheapest flowers, a lot. We have the big, a big mart, all that. So there's a lot of competition. When you're in New York, you can't be sort of this like at home person because everything's more expensive and you just don't have the space. So in LA, we have a lot of the ward shows, all of that. 
I do a ton of celebrity stuff, but none of them ever call me. They definitely don't know who I am. If they do, I would just be absolutely shocked. It's usually an assistant, say an assistant's assistant. It's their PR firm, marketing agency. If it's a movie, it's like whoever the studio. Yeah. 99% of my clients are marketing or PR firms. And it's hard to even do outreach for them because you know, I wouldn't know who to Google, right? It's like the assistant of this, of this. People are like, oh, reach out to Facebook and Twitter and their events and that. It's like, yeah, but you don't understand. It's like the most random person. And so for me, that is why optimizing my website was one of the first things I did. I did it myself. I read SEO for dummies. I looked at stuff because people find me. So Mm -hmm. because I'm a little bit more specialized, even when I didn't have a big portfolio, Again, it was like, I can do a logo. I can do this. I can do that. I put a lot of creative ideas on there. So I think people underestimate the value, especially in a creative business of having a website that is optimized. I don't get really a lot of work from Instagram. I get a lot of people that want to look at pretty things or interested, Mm -hmm. but I would say it's very few that I business yeah. from there that surprises people a lot because it's such a visual medium, you know, yeah. but, it, but yeah. it really is that. So I would say focus on that. A few things starting out, you know, you people will always want things for free or something like that in exchange. It's, you have to weigh the cost, especially because there's always material costs. It's not just my time. So I'll say, well, if I think it's worthwhile, like, sure, I can give it at cost of my time. And you do kind of want that if you want something to show in your press or portfolio. That's totally fine because it sort of validates things for other people. Um, one thing that I did when I moved to Nashville, it actually has a small market for what I do, which is unusual. I thought there'd be a lot because it's Music City. We have a lot of music artists and, you know, I'm, I'm surprised. Yeah. yeah. No, it hasn't been. Their budgets are pretty small um, for things. And it's just, there's not a lot of emphasis on that, which is fine. But one of the things I did is I moved um, moved to an area and I got an issue of this new magazine. It was called the Nashville Edit. And I was like, oh, this is pretty. I liked it. it was first issue was about like empowering women. And I simply looked through it. I don't know why I was just sitting here. It had, um, well, you're in the publishing world. What's it? The masthead? Yes. Masthead. Yeah. All the editors and and so on for the magazine. Yes. And I used to do that too for more regional magazines. So there's like a lot in LA you could do this with. You could do it anywhere. And I looked and I probably saw events or some editor went on their website. It was like a contact. I probably spent a little while trying to investigate. I found a person, but I just wrote an email that said, Hey, I'm Carly. I own Flower Lay. This is some of the work we did. I just moved here. Here's some examples. If you ever want to work together, just let me know. Then I got an email back like a week or two later. It was like, Hey, Carly. Oh yeah. We like, you know, I like what you do. Actually, do you want to get together? We're doing our launch event. Um, we're looking for a flower wall. I was like, okay, sure. That's smart. And I think if I if I would guess, I think it's the special projects editor usually on the magazine or or even just like 
the interns, because sometimes the interns are working on events and other sorts of projects um, in various capacities and, and they'll pass along yeah, the resource. People, I think also we can kind of feel intimidated just asking. Most people want to help, especially if they like what you do or they like your personality or you're coming off like I, I wasn't pressuring it. Genuine. You're coming off genuine. And sometimes I'll write people, if I do cold email because I'm just interested, I'll say, you know, you're probably not the right person. I found you on this. Can you steer me to whoever would be the right person? Like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Here you go. So I did that. Um, We talked, they had a low budget, which was fine. I basically did do that one pretty much at cost, but I was like, well, it's my first time in Nashville. It's something, they did a rose gold theme, something I'd never done. It sounded fun. Did it in my little patio, had someone come over and help. We deliver it. And I'm used to these LA events or events where there's maybe 30 or 40 people and they're like yeah you can stay I was like okay I don't know anyone like feeling like a little kid like sticking by the events person like you have to introduce me oh my god there was like two or three hundred people there I nearly died I nearly died I was like what okay I'm really glad I'm proud of what I made because that would have been embarrassing and then I got these texts from people I didn't even know like oh my god you did the Nashville edit thing they think that like somehow I don't know how they think I got that job, but I was like, the thing is, is no matter how many years I'm still hustling. Like that is in my nature. I'm looking for opportunities. I was like, I just emailed them. Like you could have just done this. I love that. So there's I love a that. lot of things that people, you can see events coming. You can see mm. like, oh, there's, um, I did like a little, well, I got, you know, I got paid to do at some county fair, like here, do these demos, anything like that. You do want to make money, but you also want to value that against if it's bringing you joy, if you like it, what you want out of it. I can imagine in your industry that is so visual when you go and you present your work at an event, others see it, it leads to more business potentially. I can't imagine how many times that's happened where someone calls you because they saw what your work was at an event that they were at. Similarly in, you know, my world, like you you give a talk somewhere and then someone in the audience, you never you never know who's in the audience. That's what I'm learning from you. You never know. So putting yourself out there um, you weren't expecting two, 300 people, no. but even, even an audience of 10 or 15, yeah. you never know. You never know. I used to do these, um, I used to do these middle of the night business news live hits for ABC when I was just starting out. Uh, I just wanted the experience. I wanted the experience of go, being thrown on live television. It was the middle of the night. It was like 4 AM. And I, I mean, I had a full-time job. I don't know what I was doing, <laughs> but I knew it. But here's why I did it because Someone said to me, just do this, you know, because you know who watches, maybe not your mom and not your friends, but the executives at the network Mm -hmm. and talent agents, scouts. And after a few weeks of doing that, I got a phone call from an agent saying I was, I was breast, (laughs) breastfeeding, I was bottle feeding (laughs) Adam. Uh, He was bottle feeding his newborn and simultaneously trying to like, quote unquote, work Mm -hmm. in the middle of the night. So he flips on the, the news, sees me. And goes, oh, this she's, you know, talented, whatever. Like I never, let me learn about her, called me and the rest is history. We've been working together uh, for like over a decade. And your advice, even though I'm not a florist, I'm not a creative entrepreneur in that sense, I feel like so much of your advice uh, has, 
I have I have followed it in my own way. And I and that's why I wanted to bring you on the show because I think that through your experience of launching your business, whatever it may be, the fact that you are still standing and doing it, you should mention like you've written a book, yeah. you've done tons of media. I was watching your media reel, the flower chef, everybody, modern guide to do it yourself. That arrangement. Was a whole other story. Oh my God, that took five. Oh God. That's a whole nother thing. When you I don't know if you're still doing your book proposal. I am in the in the, in the throes of edits. How was the book writing process for you? So mine's pretty much it's like a coffee table book. The inspiration for it it's called The Flower Chef because I'm obsessed with Julia Child and her book or her show was called The French Chef. So my book and I'll, I'll send you a copy. It's recipe format, so it's supposed to look like a cookbook with the levels, the times. It's meant for the at-home person that's going to Trader Joe's or their farmer's market that just wants some simple things. That idea came to me when I was pretty much doing weddings and that I would use blogs. There wasn't Pinterest. So if it had gotten published when the idea came, it would have been very ahead of its time. But it took me from the idea to pretty much getting published like five years. And my book, it got delayed twice. I went through three editors. I was with Grand Central Publishing and they kind of, the first editor that bought it understood my vision. And then the others who were super nice, they just didn't quite get it. They inherited it. It was just kind of like, we have a four. Yep. No, I know all about that world. So I know all about, you know, even that can happen at work too. You know, your boss leaves and your boss comes in and it's like, what are you doing here? Uh-huh. It, that's so true. And for mine, I looked into self-publishing, but mine's a photo book. It takes the four-color printing. It's extremely expensive to self-publish. It was going to cost about forty grand, and that's just not something I believed in enough of to make back, nor did I have the money. So I went the traditional route. However, I, if I was going to do... Um, any other type of book that was just kind of a paperback, I definitely go the self-publishing route now. You have, I think, an unusually traumatic experience <laughs> going through all of those layers of, of edits and being, you know, flung from one to the other. I, that's that cannot be fun. And so, yeah, for sure. I think um, I love your book. I, I always wanted to learn how to come home with some trader with a Trader Joe's flower haul and make it look I got like a million bucks. I have friends who can do it in their sleep and I'm still learning. Well, read the first two chapters. It literally is like a floral design, like my intro class. It's everything I would go um, over when I was doing intro to floral design classes. So read that. But I have another book proposal. It's a purely a photo book because I realized when it comes to that, people just want to look at nice things. So yeah, that's, that is something I kind of have that's ready to go. But TBD. Okay. Let's, before we go, I do want to talk a little bit about your debt freedom journey. I know it wasn't like piles and piles and piles of debt, but like you were saying to me, it didn't matter. The, the amount was a lot for you compared to what you could afford at the time. And listening to this show, you were able to kind of work your way through that and, you know, debt snowball, debt avalanche, all that. But what was sort of the turning point for you when you realized, I got to address this. Was it turning 30? Because I feel like when we get into our 30s, we're like, okay, can't waste any more time. I got to get this squared away. Yes, I'm sure. Looking back, it was not that I was spending on frivolous things. I don't, I'm not really into the material things. I, I was telling you before we started that, yeah, I'll get a facial when I want, but 
and I'll treat myself, but it's not really like I don't spend on clothes. If I spend it, be on travel, stuff like that. But living in such a high cost city, thinking back, it was just the bills. It was really the bills, the gas, the yeah. food. And my credit limit was only two grand. But at the time when you have literally zero, or you're working paycheck to paycheck and the interest and, you know, you're making the minimum payment, which is not a great thing to do, barely paying off the interest. It was just so overwhelming. I just stopped paying it. And then that, of course, affects your credit score. I had some, I didn't have dental insurance. And I remember the dentist was like, oh, you can take out this sort of loan, whatever, for the services, pay that back. So I had those expenses. When I graduated of student debt, about like 10 grand, and I kept putting that on hold, but eventually it just, it piles up. And yes, I was sick of living like that. It's extremely stressful. What worked for me was paying off the smallest amount first, you know, and going from there. I remember finally telling my dad, who was pretty upset, like why I didn't, I didn't come from a lot of money, but he was upset that I had, I was in this sort of situation, but it never even occurred to me that I could ask him for money and then pay him back. I just had always since I was 19 supported myself, you know, like that, that just was not really an option to even think of it. So yeah, I started listening to your podcast. I like to read books, learn the way. And the Friday, the ask for Noosh was super helpful. Or if you would do a recap of that week's guest, I would listen. So the ones that just resonated with me were, okay, pay the smallest, you have the win, you get that off and then pay yourself first. So basically with every job, when I sort of found that I was making enough to get by from my business, you know, not, not excessive, but enough that I could live on, I did the pay yourself first. So that's what I would do. And I would put a, you know, pay the debt, put some in savings and sort of go from there. And I continue to do that to this day. The other thing, I don't remember who said it, maybe you, when you do have sort of a goal. So once I sort of got myself out of the hole a little bit and, um, I was like, I really want to save for a down payment and thought that I could use some different loans for first time homeowners, you know, I'm a single woman on single wage. So looking into all that, I did actually talk to a mortgage broker who was like, you have to pay, you know, you have too much debt. Like pay down your car, pay off your car, do this, do that so that you can get approved. And that took a few years as well. But through all those methods, I was able to get rid of that. Now, again, I can look back and be like, wow, I, it was so stressful um, yeah. at that time. And I am more on like a high alert, I guess, of sort of that feeling and not wanting to be back there. So I do make it intentional to just, you know, I check my accounts pretty much every day just to some days, some days I don't, some days I'm like, Oh God, I probably spent a ton on Amazon. Like what returns should I do? You know, stuff like that. But through your show, it a thousand percent helps me. And I, I tell people that are like, well, you're so good at this or that. It's like, no, I'm not. I'm not really. I'm just actually doing the things. I just do the work. I just do, I just the, do the work. work. I do, you know, the IRA. And that's the thing about money is that it doesn't, you don't need a, 
you don't have to be a scholar to figure this stuff out. Mm -hmm. And you're obviously smart in, you have a genius in running your business and being creative. You don't have to also be a genius in money to be able to master the basics and even the elevated stuff. You just literally have to decide that it's important to you. You got to make that decision. You got to explore it, learn, connect with a podcast or a group or a friend at work and just figure it out. Like, how did I learn to do anything in my life that I didn't have a degree in or my parents taught me? Like I had to Google it, (laughs) make mistakes. I had to make mistakes so that I could learn how to do it correctly. And, but I, I made a decision mostly. Like you made a decision and you kind of stick to it. And I like the pay yourself first aspect because it's like, you know, it's almost like, okay, I did this. Now I can focus on the financial. Yeah, it's like it makes a lot of sense. Why not prioritize your financial well-being before anybody else's? Yes. And I found myself actually in such a similar situation for COVID. Some of my friends' lives didn't change that work in just certain fields. Some did. Mine changed drastically. I you know, I have anxiety and depression on that and it really hit hard like it did some people, but I had zero business. I mean my work comes from events. So that was two years. Luckily, I got approved for unemployment, which I would normally want it because of just like the self-employment, how that was, got some stuff. But again, it was like I had to go in the savings, which I'm like, oh, thank God I have that living, you know, minimally. But honestly, like not having business for about two years, I'm right now, I feel good with where things are because I really had to be very strict in the sort of refill that emergency bucket because who knows and Mm -hmm. things grow, but it's just on a different scale. So I'm finding myself now like, Oh yeah, this situation's familiar. I started in a recession. Then we had COVID. It's just at what scale are your jobs and your income versus your debt? It's like everything grew. My income grew, but then my debt grew, you know, when you weigh it. So I definitely rely on those tools. I listen to your show all the time. And then I start freaking out. Oh my God, oh my God, I'm not saving enough. I'm not doing this enough. I'm not doing this enough. Have my freak out and then kind of calm down. (laughs) I think a little freaking out once in a while, you know, it's okay. It's okay. We all do it. And as long as we realize... Uh, as long as we come back down to earth, <laughs> yeah, as long <laughs> you know, as we realize it's yeah. You when you're a hustler, when you're self-made, when you don't come from a lot, it does. You can kind of have that feeling of like the rug being pulled out from under you, even if that's not true. You know, we deal with all sorts of things like that. So yeah, I, I'll listen to your show in batches. I like to listen to it when I'm driving. I'll be like, "Ooh, I'm in Pampernoosh," and I'll just like listen. And then by the end, I'm like, "Oh my god, I have so many things to do. I have so many things to do." Oh uh, yeah, but I appreciate all you do. Thank you. This feels like a real full circle moment to have you on the show, Carly. Oh my gosh, and, it's, uh, it's crazy for me. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Very cool. Sincerely, thank you so much for listening all these years. Glad the show has been a little helpful to you. You've you've done it mostly yourself, but if we could have helped along the way, we're we're happy to. And thanks for sharing your story. I I feel like this was like a, a little mini MBA, <laughs> modern MBA, and how to hustle your way to a thriving business that's constantly evolving through numerous things that are out of your control, like recessions and pandemics. I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. 
Thanks to Carly for joining us. Stay tuned for Friday's episode of Ask Farnoosh. In the meantime, I hope your day is so money. <laughs>